Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast, sponsored by Low & Co. in Fort Saskatchewan. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. We are powered by Go Goat Sports. We have our uh, co-host here with us. This is Phil Stockley. Phil, how's it going? Going pretty good. Uh, pretty excited for this one. So uh, I'm not going to say too much. And uh, we have a good friend uh, joining us. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's going to help uh, steer some conversations with our big guest today. We have Mike Fuda back with us. Futes, how's it going? Everything's great, Josh. Looking forward to this guy. Yeah, this will be a fun. And uh, we have Trevor Ruptash with us too. He uh, He's joining us as well. He'll be, uh, he's one of our co-hosts. Uh, so we'll, uh, you know, kind of won't ramble on any longer. Everyone's here to listen to our interview with Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty. So let's get to our interview with Biz right now. I'm Tom Lowe. And I'm Cam Dominski. And we are the Lowe & Co. Real Estate Team. Based out of Fort Saskatchewan, we are excited to serve the greater Edmonton area. Together, we bring 14 years of experience and knowledge in the buying and selling of real estate. As a team, we continue to lead forging new trends and standards in the real estate industry through the use of interior staging, professional photography, videography, and much more. At Lowen Co., our mission is to provide comprehensive real estate service using communication, knowledge, and teamwork, ensuring the highest level of client satisfaction. Check us out on Instagram at Lowen Co. Real Estate. Muds fans, this is our biggest guest we've ever had to date, so we're uh, pretty happy to have this guy on. So he was drafted in a 2003 draft by the Penguins in the fourth round. Uh, just the best draft you probably ever had in the NHL history, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, he also won the Holenka Gretzky Cup in 2003, and he also won the Calder Cup in the AHL in 2015 with our buddy Futes. We like to welcome from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and Big Deal Brewing and NHL on TNT, Paul Bissonette. Biz, how's it going? That's a lovely intro. Now, what's this Halenka Cup, though, that I, I supposedly won? Well, they what's... renamed it because at the time it was called the Halenka Cup, and then now they renamed it to the Halenka Gretzky Cup. Didn't, is that what you – did you win uh, that or no? Or no, but I'll take, I'll, I'll take the accolade. <laughs> I never won shit. So, uh, it dude, says, any uh, idea where that tournament takes place? Can I take yes, credit for it? it takes place in Slo- Slovakia and Czech – they go half and half uh, Slovakia and Czech Republic. Okay, that would have been the year that I was coaching you. So I know for a fact that we didn't win it because it was Canada game here. Okay, so you know what it was, though, is is uh, I'm sure they probably still do it is they would have uh, we had under 17, which was they would divide the provinces. And then I I partook in two under 18s. So there was a a, a summer one that I went to that one. That was in Piaschani, Slovakia. And and then that's the Holenka. Oh, it's. Yeah, we we did. I didn't know it was called yeah, the Halenka Cup. Called the Halenka. So get put it back oh. in your resume. He's got it. He's Jesus got it. Christ! Okay, <laughs> all right. Gold, did you get a gold medal, Biz, or no? Keep it. Keep in mind. There's a lot of CTE here, so there's probably a lot of other things you're going to mention that I have no recollect recollection of. No worries. No worries at okay, all. Okay. Good. Good to know. It's called the Halenka Cup. Jesus. Yes. Halenka Gretzky Cup now. So, all right. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. It's a pretty sweet tournament, obviously. But yeah, I looked at. It says you have a gold medal next to your name on Elite Prospects. So okay. Where's that gold medal? Because it's good. Now I feel like an idiot. And a couple stories from that tournament. uh, It was the first, I actually signed a a woman's breast. That was the first time I'd ever done that. And it happened in the Czech Republic. And a few of the fathers went over and beers were like 10 cents. So my dad was completely shit-faced the entire time we were over there. As you can imagine, uh, uh, Futes. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you, uh, I had you the year before, so I'm glad you uh, waited a year before you started signing breasts. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, another one too is, uh, Dion Phaneuf made the team and I was the only guy still on the team using wood sticks. And the first practice I go out there, we, we get to, uh, I think it was in Piaschani, Slovakia, where our home base was. We ended up going to play it. I don't know if it was Brackloud. Brockloud, that was the other place. Yep. And so we get on, you know, where, you know, you're buzzing around, you're doing your laps. And I take my first shot, my stick breaks. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Don't think anything of it. I go to the bench, grab my other one, skating around, take a shot, my stick breaks. And then I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I start looking around. There's Dion Phaneuf just giggling with the other guys. This fu- I only had like, I only had nine sticks I brought over and he yeah. saw two of them to fuck with me the first day. So luckily, luckily I was able to survive the rest of the tournament, but, uh, that was a good little prank that Dion Phaneuf played for team morale right off the hop. 
Yeah, what a beauty he is too. So that's a guy that I would love to hear on your guys' pod. I know he's hopefully you guys get him on one day. Um, At some point, yeah. That's exactly. Let's uh, so let's toss it over to Futes here. Um, you know your connection with Biz and you know Futes, you've been on with us over ten times now in the relationship you and I kind of built here. But uh, you know the the great uh, you know brotherhood that you have with Biz here and. You know, like cool moment you guys had at Trade Center on uh, Sportsnet the other day, uh, you know, when the trade uh, deadline was happening. So how cool was that? And kind of talk about Biz here. Well, Biz kind of, that one he just pulled out of his hip pocket because it turned, it got a little emotional. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't planned and scheduled. So it was a, it was a, a very touching moment for me. But this obviously is a, a special guy. Um, I coached the 1985 born, um, and that would have been the year you're talking about, Biz, the it was a can every four years they do a Canada games instead of a world under 17 championship. So we were team Ontario and uh, I was head coach in our team. We had uh, Mike Richards, uh, Anthony Stewart, Nathan Horton, Corey Perry, Jeff Carter, Brad Richardson. And Biss was the, at that time, he might, he was the top defenseman in Ontario um, defenseman. I mean, and I had to, I actually went to junior B, right? I think I brought Danny Siverett and Kyle Quincy in because there wasn't a heavy year. I think Kevin, but there wasn't a real heavy year on the back end. All the top uh, Canadian defensemen other than Biss were really out. I would have been Phenups here. They, they're all at West, weren't they? They're all. Oh, man, they, they, had, they, were, they were stacked. stacked. But, Team uh, Alberta. Yeah. I, the one thing I remember about, and I certainly wasn't a great coach, but I, I could, a pretty good orator. And I, I literally, these guys, it was like insider trading for me because they just listened. They had that old school burn in their eye that I sorely, you, you look for that in players. Now you find it in the odd player, but this entire group had it. And uh, for me, it led to down the road uh, having a pleasure. I ended up going on to be the general manager in Owen sound and knowing what Paul Bissonette brought to the table. He was captain in Saginaw at the time. I, I told our guys, we've got to trade for this guy. I mean, I don't want this story goes on a little bit, but bottom line is uh, knowing Biss and who he was, I had done a little, I think the word, it, I, it, it rhymes with scampering <laughs> to talk to Biss off the air, about uh, that I was approaching him and his, his uh, general manager at the time was holding out for another second round pick and Saginaw came into town and Biss decided to pay a visit to my office and uh, their general manager caught wind of that visit, and I had to give up that second round pick. Oh, yeah. To get Biss. <laughs> Biss never got back on the bus to be a That was an expensive spirit. conversation, it was wasn't it? A very it? expensive conversation that we had. But well <laughs> worth it. And then, you know, you go through these things, and when you, when you realize, first of all, uh, forget how hard he worked at the sport and, um, you know, to be able to make the NHL's a thrill, to play games and do it the hard way he did. Uh, you know, I get a call and, and obviously he's one of the best teammates I've ever been around. And that's why, you know, when you see how much support he gets, what he does now, he's just an unbelievable teammate. And that means whether you go to battle, I mean, he's, he was the initial, uh, I mean, you talk about Fanuf, he's the first guy ever to drop the gloves and, and play for real at a, at a Don Cherry. Uh, uh, oh yeah. The top prospects he, game. Top prospects. For oh, who did he, he Mark Antoine Pouliot. He yeah, killed him. He killed center him. ice. Killed him. Jumped right in with a defending a teammate. That's not even a teammate. And that's the kind of player he was, but roll it back to when I'm in my coach from Owen sound. Mike Stuthers is in the American league and this is winding down winding down. Uh, he's starting up the Twitter and pumping it out and he's winding down on um, with Phoenix. And he calls me and says, Futes, I want to, I want another, I want to keep this going for another end of the season. And I, I went into Dean Lombardi's office and said, listen, I, I want us to sign Paul Bissonette. And he was like, isn't he the tweeter? <laughs> and I'm like, he's more than a tweeter. He says, well, if you can convince him to shut down his tweeter account, uh, I'll let you sign him and he can be, he can, you can rejoin him with, uh, Mike Stuthers. And so Biss shut down the account, came in and met Dean and, and went down. And once again, uh, we wouldn't have won the Calder cup without Biss. And he was like a second assistant coach to Mike Stuthers. And for me to see it come full circle. And, uh, for me, it was kind of cool. Cause from that under 17 team, I got to go on the ice with Mike Richards and Brad Richardson and, uh, and, and uh, and hoist the Stanley Cup, right? And Jeff Carter twice. And then uh, to see Biss get handed that Calder Cup ring at that dinner and how emotional and how truly him being a champion uh, and being able to, you know, retire a champion, it was really emotional and it couldn't have happened to a better teammate. So 
That's my story on him. Wow, and that was out. that's a lot of tummy sticks going on here. Well, then gonna, he turns around. Now I'm going to get emotional. Then he becomes the the, the you know the voice of. <laughs> I'm no. terrified to go on spitting chiclets because I know I know the path that it would go down. I'd never get back in the national. You'd be hockey. giving up another second rounder. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's proud of what he's become, and again, I, I mean, there's certain kids that you they're not kids anymore, but you're proud of every aspect of what they become, and he certainly is one of them. Well, yeah, I always, I always go back to that time. Like, I mean, of course we have a long history of feuds, like under 17 was awesome. You mentioned that, that tournament and you know, that was like the, that felt like the big leagues to us, right. Going against playing yeah. against team Pacific team, Alberta, you mentioned like the players that these guys had and you. And back then, like the internet wasn't that prevalent. So you kind of heard about these guys, like they were William Wallace, where I think the one team had Seabrook, Colburn, Fanuf, and these were like, these were like grown men. Right. So that tournament, and that was obviously a special moment getting to play for you and Owen sound was incredible, but I always go back to that time in, uh, in Manchester because I had finished my NHL career and I couldn't get a contract. And I, luckily I ended up signing a PTO with, with Arizona's farm team, um, in, um, where were they, they at at the time in Portland, right? Yeah. In, in Portland and uh, on the East coast. And it just wasn't really working out there. And, before I'd even gotten that PTO, I was on my couch for about a month after, um, after my time in St. Louis at camp. And I was like on a full on depression because all of a sudden you go from playing and you're on a team and you have all this camaraderie where that's livelihoods just stripped from you. So when I got that, that PTO with Portland, yeah, I was like somewhat back to normal, but I also didn't feel the fact that I was gelling with the team and, you know, wasn't really having a good time. And the minute I got let go, I was right back into that dark place. And, I just, I never forget. I, I call Futes and I was like, Futes, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tough spot. And he goes, let me see what I can do for you. And he, he called me Lombardi and I'll never forget. He, he called me back. He goes, he goes, he says, pack your stuff, come on over, but stay the fuck off of Twitter. <laughs> and I said, you got yourself a deal. So just from going to the start of that year where I was curled up in a ball on my couch and well in Ontario in a full on depression, and to all the way through that year. And that's bullshit. You guys still would have won the Calder cup, but what him, what like you and management and that organization and Stutzy and those players like did for me as a person, I'm forever indebted to you guys. And it was such a magical run. It was so fun. We had so many unreal players and uh, it just really like it, it turned my life around to be quite frank. So like I said, I'm forever indebted to you, buddy. You know, I love you. And I'm uh, you know, you'll, you'll forever be a friend of mine. That's hey, Josh, let me, I got to give, I won't go on. I got to talk, see if he remembers this story. Cause it just brought back something from our under 17. We're playing against Pacific and they're the visiting team. So yeah. we're supposed to win the ceremonial face-off and this kid, they put the red carpet out and this place is packed. Oh yeah. We, we got our starting five on the, on the blue line. They got their starting five. And uh, I tell Nathan Horton and Pacific is won every draw even when they're not the home team and we're the home team and they wheel this kid out in a wheelchair and they've got all the piece beside him for the ceremonial face-off and i tell nathan horton that he's got to win the draw so Hortz goes in and they literally drop oh, the puck. and this kid's in a wheelchair that drops the puck and they do like a 30 second puck protection battle drill cross-checking each other just going at it. And then finally Hortz cross checks Seabrook turns around and takes a slap shot back. Our guys almost have to duck because he wins it and shoots it so hard back towards our end. And when you see it on tape, you got to see the look on this poor kid in the wheelchair <laughs> is this, this thing's going on right in front of him. And then Hortz comes over to me and he goes, Phew. I go that a boy, Nathan, he goes, you go I can't start. He goes, I'm exhausted. changed <laughs> 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 so the starting lineup. So he had to go out and basically crumple off the first base after the national anthem. And then just come over the bench and change it up. Cause he was so exhausted from the ceremonial face off. But Oh yeah. I'll never forget that puck was behind the goal line. Couldn't oh, yeah. even hand it back to the kid. No, just ready. The guys were barking at each other. Hammered into the corner. But oh. we could have we could have played that game without a puck. Guys were just taking runs at each other. It was uh, very intense. It, that that was, was in Selkirk and Stonewall. Yeah, was where they hosted that one. So that's when I found out what Mike Richards and Corey Perry were made of. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, the worm. Yes, that's. Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name right. That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. 
She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Mods podcast sent you. Realty by Design, your design approach to real estate. Mutz fans, so much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code TwoMutzPod when you guys go to SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks, you know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe have some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, this is the greatest time. Um, all these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so many great events to be a part of. So don't be disappointed when you guys go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals. That's the promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals, to get $20 off your purchase. Rupper, I'll toss the puck over to you here. Hey, Paul. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Honestly, you guys are sitting around here telling stories, and um, I don't even know. I, I'm not the biggest uh, sports guy, so I had to actually Google who you were. That's why this was kind of <laughs> the no first. No problem, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me whatever. First... It doesn't even need to be hockey-related. Uh, no, I know. And, like, this is kind of the first picture that came up, and I <laughs> kind of text Josh. I was like, man, this is the kid from that 70s show here. I didn't know when we were interviewing this guy. Anyways, uh, this is his stick. This is his stick. So we had the yeah, yeah. The goalie, the goal, the goal they played for the Oilers, the e-bug, that Matt Berlin throughout yeah. last year. So we had him on. And then <laughs> the rapper joined in and he goes, who the hell are we interviewing? Like in the middle of the interview, so the guy, the poor kid was just like, Whoa, what's going on? So yeah. Sometimes yeah. going, sometimes going in blinds. Nice. It, it makes yeah. you a little no, bit more I, curious. I, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know who you are. That oh, kind no of worries, buddy. That, that kind of flew over your head there. It's I, you're, I think you're pretty soaked from uh, the, the last golf. It's been a long week, the, buddy. It's been yeah, a long buddy, week. I can tell you how was that? Uh, you guys were pretty soaked there. Holy Jesus. You and wit. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty wild week. I, I mean, like I said, we I got a text from a buddy who wanted me to bring the whole situation to light, and I had no problem doing it. Like we let it fly on our podcast. Uh, I guess I'm a little naive to the amount of steam that I was unaware that it was going to pick up, and it just went a little bit nuclear. And we talk a certain way on our podcast, right? Like I was joking around about the throbbing dick pics in the phone, and like sure, sure, but, but in the same breath, it's like you don't know what someone's going to have on their phone when you go through somebody's phone that doesn't know you're going to go through their phone. So um, just after kind of hearing, the, I guess, the disturbing story and the fact that it was still going on, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I have no problem. But before I even, like, if, if Wit wouldn't have teed me up on the last pod to mention it, I would have forgotten to mention it until we were doing our season breakdowns through this, through ever, through the division in which Columbus is in. I believe they're what, they're, they're in the central now? Uh, Metro Metro geez. That's how much I know about hockey right there, boys. Um, I shouldn't, shouldn't even be on TNT, but uh, so he teased me up and then I kind of just went on my little rant and that was that. But once again, the only reason I brought it up is because a past player had that exact situation had, had happened to him in which I described where this wasn't a a family sharing family phone situation. This was a flex yeah. of power trying to see what was underneath and, and getting to know what the guy was up to so he could abuse that power if he wanted to. So it took on a mind of its own and it kind of played out the way it played out. And and throughout players hearing the podcast, more and more text started coming through as to like what he was actually doing. And it ended up just, you know, behind the scenes coming out that more stuff that was probably a lot, that was a lot worse ended up coming out as well. And I think it was time that uh, he stepped down. So it's been, yeah, it's been a crazy week. Uh, you know, definitely not. I don't know how journalists do it all the time because it is a little bit stressful, especially in the fact that when they started denying it, people were assuming that I was lying or fabricating the situation. But uh, the truth came out. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a privilege to be able to coach in the National Hockey League. 
And I understand that some people might have the view of like, oh, these players are so soft nowadays. I, this doesn't have to do with, I mean, I played for no. Stutzy. Stutzy was, Stutzy, nobody enforced accountability and hard work more than Mike Stuthers. And for that, I love him. I look back now and I'm like, that was a reason he turned me into a man f- with with ways that didn't have to be done through mental manipulation and and fucking with his players you knew exactly where you stood with him if he didn't feel that you were working hard or paying enough attention or caring enough about the team he would call you out in front of the team but and not not in a way that was unfair not like the Mitchell Marner situation by throwing, having him throw his teammates under the bus and then bringing it to those teammates where those type of mind games were being played and the power dynamic was being flexed. And I think that now that the story is out there, it, I think everybody's aware that that he didn't really change as a pers- person in the four years that he was forced to take time off when I think we all know that the reason he was fired in Toronto wasn't just because of the lack of production from a coaching standpoint, but because of what he was playing, putting a lot of the players through. Not even rookies and young guys. Like the the we could go through Hall of Famer Chris Chelios, Hall of Famer Mike Madonna, um, you know, I mean, Mitch, Mitch yeah. Marner, the, yeah. the Franzen, the, the list of J, J, Jason J, yeah. Zetterberg, Jason Spezza getting sad his first game in Toronto because he felt that somebody else brought a little bit more to the penalty kill. Like let's fucking, yeah, let's call a spade a spade here. And so, yeah. So, so, so what's the, what I guess, I guess, I guess another question for you two guys is, you know, it's 2023 and, and, you know, guys like this are still getting hired in the league. Like, you know, there's guys in the A that I think deserve a shot that that are probably a little bit more player friendly. Is it is it comfortability? Is it their records? Is it their experience? Like, why is it you know such a problem that that they're still you know bringing this stuff to the forefront? I don't know. I, I mean, that's a great question. I think that there's I think there's definitely going to be a shift. I think there has to a certain degree with, with teams giving younger coaches a chance and, and going a little bit off the board. I mean, like, like bed, like maybe not off the board, like Bednar had success in the ECHL, the AHL. And then finally he was able to get his opportunity. Yeah. I just hope that look moving forward that these GMs and whoever are in charge are doing more of a due diligence period and, and giving people who have had success at lower levels an opportunity because like you could like, Futes, you can even attest to this. Like football might be a different situation where there's so many different like plays and 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 you know offense and defense and a bunch of video because there's so many of like hockey for the most part is fairly basic. Like there's only so many four checks you can do. There's only so many breakouts you can do. There's only so many uh, you know offensive zone structures or offensive zone faceoff plays you can do. Like it's not. It's like it's not that complex you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and there's a lot of studying the opponent, but it's about the, it's about the players. It's about inspiring the players and then putting a a fairly basic system in, in, in place and then letting these guys flourish. So for, for people to think that it's like, Oh, it's all coaching. Like it's such like a, I think it's not to overlook it, but it's in the grand scheme of it all. It's a pretty small dynamic when it comes down to it especially from an X and O perspective. Am, am I, am I wrong here? Oh, no, 100%. No, look, now, best you got like, you just been on a bench. You've got like, it used to be, you had a coach in the middle. Sometimes the coach changed the forwards and then you had a coach on the D and now it's like, there's the student ratio on the bench. is like, there's like six coaches on benches. And then you got coaches. Uh, it, it is overcomplicated and it is unfortunately, or fortunately it is still a buddy club. Like, I mean, guys get hired and then they, they hire friends and hire friends and people that have had terrible track records. Like you see about the guy that was Bill Peters, what he went through and now he's back, you know, Babs, there was no chance Babs was going to change as a person. Uh, I mean, there are nice stories out there like a Timmy Montgomery who, you know, who had a, it wasn't that he was a bad person. He was an amazing person, but he had a battle with addiction. Right. So he beats the addiction and now he gets another opportunity. That for me, I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah, with that. Absolutely. I'm fine. But if you're an abuser, or just a bad dude and you keep getting recycled, I have a problem with that. And I mean, I'll use Daryl as an example because Daryl's a wonderful human being, Daryl Sutter. Um, it takes a special type of hockey player. And I think he's probably probably a more grizzled version of what Stutz is because he makes yes. mess. I don't think that he adapt he didn't adapt he didn't enough. Adapt. And there and that was a difference. 
coming back in LA, our dressing room was stacked. And that was part of going back to our 85. Like it devastated me to have Dean come in and say, we got a shot at Mike Richards, who I knew was a, they throw captain Canada around. He was a captain Canada, but I knew Mike Richards from that 85 tournament we were getting. So when you move out a Shen or a Simmons, it devastates you, but you know what you're bringing in. Our room had arguably Jeff Carter, Justin Williams. We probably, Jarrett Stahl, Mac, we probably had 12 NHL captains in there that when Daryl did his thing, they could handle right. it. Right. And they knew what his purpose was doing it. Now they were you, mentally strong and they'd built that credibility up where even to the point where I heard that they were doing like at certain points, they were having closed door meetings where it's like, Hey, he's being a fucking asshole. We're doing this for the guys in the locker room, which, Hey, however you want to motivate the guys, but to your point, but he knew, he knew what he was doing and there was a plan. Now he goes to Calgary. They don't even have a captain named and I'm not knocking the guys in Calgary, but they got steamrolled by the old school Daryl Sutter and because they didn't have the same makeup in the room to be able to handle what Daryl brings to the table. Now, last year, I think he got off his rock a little bit with some of those press conferences, but the bottom line is that the today's athlete, you've got to, bring in young coaches that can really identify them because there are only so many systems, but you better be able to communicate and show these guys that you care about them or they're not going to play for you. Agreed. Yeah. Good point. I, like I would have paid to get in the show and coach some of those teams battles with coaching. I mean, literally Detroit, the Olympic team. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think, you know, a lot of coaches could have went in there and won in, in, in that situation as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just shocking. It's shocking to me with kind of all the stuff that uh, hockey in Canada has been going through for a while that they'd even give give that consideration and hire him back. But just just going back to Daryl too. If Daryl saw you when you were walking in in uh, along what Manhattan Beach, he'd like stop and have a conversation with you and like talk about your family and stuff. Like yeah, was, sure, like and he wouldn't he wouldn't, he, he, yeah. He, he wouldn't be family. asking to go through your phone, read your, your text phone. message. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. so as, as you know, and we said the same thing about torts, right? Like torts has his style too. And I feel like he has adapted a little bit more, but at least, you know, where you stand. Like if, if he's not happy with you, he's going to tell you and be frustrated with you, but he's not going to abuse his power. At least in my opinion. I, and that, and I heard that from torts or not from torts, but from players too, that's, that's been under torts. Like, Love the guy. People want to play for him. Like, you know, like he can get, he can get tons out of a player and, you know, some guys that doesn't mix with that's fine. But, you know, just going on to your point, he did adapt. He's still, he's still relevant, right? Like he has changed, you know, he's not, uh, maybe, maybe he is kicking garbage cans around. So I have no idea, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's as long as he ain't kicking the players. Exactly. Yeah, no. he can kick the yeah. garbage is all he wants. Yeah, you're yeah, gonna go dude. after him. The players' podcast will go after him, right? So, yeah. Hey, hey, one more question before I hand it back to Josh here. Um, you know, you're you're. Let's let's talk social media a little bit. I, I don't want to get on. I know you had a tough week last week, but um, you know, your your claim to fame, and and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to carve you up. You're oh, a bit no. of a ham and oh, yeah, egg. a, a ham and egger in the show. Um, when did you, what, what made it click? What clicked for you in social media? Cause if you're looking at like, say the athlete and, 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 um, you know, who maybe was the first, I'm not trying to pump your tires or nothing, maybe a smidge, but you were kind of the first athlete that I can recall that kind of took to social media and, you know, uh, converse with the fans, converse with the, the, the base on social media, is it something that you just picked up early? Is it is it an easy transition being a fourth line guy, uh, you know, being the great teammate that that everybody says you are? That you know, this kind of just transitioned into nice, like easy for you. Can I say something real quick? Best, best. Yeah. It's because it's who he is. It's who he is. It's and I mean, it's it, there's. I'm telling you, it's an easy answer. But I swear to God, if you saw this guy in. Uh, in a locker room or at a Halloween party dressed up as the coach. Uh, this was a natural transition. He's a hilarious guy. He's a hilarious. So I find the most successful people are in this, are the guys that just are, the, are themselves. And I mean, this is, this is, oh, I appreciate it, that. It, it's so, <laughs> this, 
It's hilarious. I mean, I used to listen to stories through the wall, and I was just shaking. I mean, ask, ask Don Maloney if he thought it was funny when he was the GM of the Coyotes <laughs> call, having a call. I, I'd get pee-pee whacked like once, at least once a year for the oh, antics well. I was pulling off. Oh, well, he's that different. I don't think – I wouldn't want to – I don't think he's been on the yuck-yuck stage in his career. He's a little bit – Well, I mean, I also <laughs> was doing shit that was, you know, yeah, that was a little offside. And, and I mean, Brown we can get in. We could get into, yeah, exactly. I was a lot younger. Um, I guess, I guess it just, uh, it was fortunate timing. So I, I'll never forget. I, uh, I think it was on ESPN or Sportsnet, whatever it was. And I didn't know what Twitter was. And Charles Barkley was like, this stuff is nonsense. Like I'll never go on social media. So when I read that, I think I had a pre-existing notion that it was dumb and I would never join it. So Twitter had started and, and, you know, people started tweeting and then, uh, I, I played with Scotty Upshaw in, in Phoenix and he kept persisting me to start it. He said, Oh, you should jump on this and like, just be silly and do all this stupid shit that you do. And especially cause I was a fourth liner. It's not like I had to like dialed in and worry about power play penalty kill. I was a healthy scratch half the time. So I just kept pushing it off and I'm like, nah, I'm not stupid. Like, I don't even get it. What's the point? So Finally, I was so bored after summer training one day that I actually downloaded the app to see what it was all about. And then I just started going on it. And then it just took on a mind of its own. And at that time, and especially as you guys know, like hockey players, like they're pretty reserved guys. Like they aren't going online to spew their opinion. They just kind of fall in line and they shut up and they do their job and they wear their suits, show up to the rink and, you know, have have at their business. And it kind of caught fire. And because because I was playing in Arizona, I think I ended up getting the leash in order to do it. But before I ended up getting the training camp that year, as it started catching fire, I ended up saying uh, like a sorry communist back to the Soviet when Kovalchuk's deal got rejected. And it was stupid. It was, it was, it wasn't a racist tweet. It was more like prejudiced, I guess you could call it. And I'll never forget my agent calling and he goes, Hey dude, he goes, you need to get the off of Twitter. Kind of like Dean Lombardi said, uh, he goes, no, nothing good can come of this. So I was like, and he goes, if you, he goes for stuff like this, they could like rip up your contract. So I was like scared shitless. So I deleted it. Now I get a call like a week later and it's our PR guy with the coyotes. And he goes, Hey, like, are you telling everybody that like, we made you delete your Twitter? And I'm like, no, I go, my agent called and he's, he, we were scared about this, this little thing here. Cause people were coming after me for saying, and he goes, okay, well, like people think that it's us. Like maybe we could work out a deal where when you get to training camp, you start it back up and you, I just monitor your tweets. So you're not tweeting stupid enough stuff to where you're going to get canceled. Yeah. And I said, great, perfect. So that's why the, that's where originally my first Twitter was biz nasty. That's why it ended up being biz nasty 2.0. Yeah, because I revamped it, and people were like calling the team, threatening them, threatening to cancel their season tickets if because they thought it was the team who told me to get offline. Wow. So we ended up <laughs> rebooting it, and as I said, I just and and you said it's more my personality, and it was I would get home from the rink. I wasn't married. I didn't have a girlfriend. Well, at least most of the time. And I just would tweet and interact with the fans. Some of which were coming at me, calling me a plug from other fan bases. And because I play with the Arizona coyotes, I'd be telling these people, like, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. And like chirping their profile pictures. And like original days, it was off its rocker. If I was saying this shit nowadays, I'd be done. I would, I wouldn't be working for TNT. I would have never got a job with the coyotes. I'd be sitting here with my thumb up my ass, begging Futes for a job on a men's league team. (laughs) So basically uh, basically they didn't want to lose those 50 season ticket holders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, you watch your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, they were really struggling to get fans, but it also came in a time where the team started doing good and it just all really took on a mind of its own. And with not only with the tweeting aspect, it started opening up other opportunities where I would get asked during all-star break to go to do something for Sportsnet, where I would be in front of the camera. Because as a result of the Twitter, more of the Arizona media would come up and ask me questions about sometimes not even hockey related. So they were just starving for any type of personality that would be willing to put themselves out there. And I didn't look at it that seriously because I was in an Arizona market. Even when I was saying dumb shit, nobody actually really cared. I was going on this radio station for weekly hits uh, called K K U P D and they would get porn stars on. 
And they had this girl named Bibby Jones come on and they ended up hooking us up to go on a date. Well, sure enough, I ended up going on a date with her and, you know, we had, we had sex and during the whole, the whole time, like her, somebody was calling her phone and she was like answering it and stuff. And it was her boyfriend. So it was such a bizarre interaction. So, you know, I think that she, she, then we then, before she leaves, she asked to take a picture and then she's like, Hey, post this. And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, I think nothing of it. Go to bed. We got practice the next day or actually, sorry, pregame skate. And that night, I don't think I was going to end up playing anyway. Cause I was off on a healthy scratch. We're playing Chicago. And at that point we're, we're trying to win the division and we're battling for a playoff spot. Well, this porn star goes on the local radio at like 7 a.m. live in studio. He's got a small horn, bad, bad, <laughs> perform, bad performance. I'm getting a call from the radio station trying to rebuttal. Uh, meanwhile, I'm a, a driving to the rink worrying about a, a, a game with playoff implications here. And I'm getting carved by this porn star. So this like this whole social media thing is just kind of getting all wacky. And as I mentioned, taking on a mind of its own. So it was crazy days and uh, obviously it has led to the career that I have now, but I'll never forget those early days and, and how wacky this shit turned into and how f- fun it was. But now it has to be taken, I guess, a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And I know I got so, off the rails there, but this is just the type of stuff that was going on early Twitter days and, and early social oh, media days yeah. and the stuff that I was able to get away with that ended up rack. So all these people from the Valley, not even hockey fans started following me. And that's why the follower count out of no time ended up getting to a million followers. Yeah. Those, those were the good old days. It's like the wild, wild West when Twitter first started. I, 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 I've, I've left since left the app. I can't honestly, it's too, it's too tough. You can't it's, say anything. It's gotten, it's yeah. It's in a bad place now. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's not that fun anymore. And yeah, if you say anything, oh, I'm offended, I'm offended. So it's like, Oh fuck, here we go. Yeah. I'm just in, I just Instagram. That's all right. I just swipe. I like, I got enough models on there going that the wife is not too happy about it. You know what I mean? So, oh, anyways, no. you know what? Yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, it's oh, couch, I think it, I think it is. You want to talk about no, it? No, we have a little therapy time. session here. Yeah, couch time's fun. This guy's couch cranking it out on his couch yeah. to Instagram models, his <laughs> yeah. old ladies in the kitchen cooking dinner. She's like, What the yeah. fuck are you looking at? Get out your yeah. phone, get out your phone, rapper. Yeah. Anyways, honestly, it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, oh, yeah, you know. great meeting you. I wish I would have got your joke off the start there, but yeah, not a lot yeah. of people do know who I am. So I was like, oh, no worries, yeah. buddy. No, nah, it's not a big deal. I, shitty delivery, buddy. Shitty delivery. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Biz, you probably got a bone to pick here with Rupper still, though. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I'm a big Leaf fan. You're a big Leaf fan. Rupper does not like Austin Matthews at all. So when he signed, oh, what do you boy. mean? Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. what, so, what's not to like? Yes, Rupper, what's not to like? You don't like a guy who averages forty-three goals a year throughout the start of his career, who who puts just as much effort into his defensive play as he does his offensive play. analytically one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Uh, But before he got hurt last year, halfway through, he still might've finished as the league leader in block shots for forwards. We're talking about a guy who puts 50 goals in the net blocking shots. Come on, Rob. Bosco, why don't you tell him the whole story? Like you're just giving him half truths here. You, you, you came on. Was you, your old you, lady getting after it on, on Instagram no. to his pictures? Is that why you don't like him? Boss won't even give the whole story of what happened and why this got into the, the way it went into is he came, he Bosco tries to poke us, right? He's like pokes the bear. So he all right, comes let's on, hear why you don't like him. He comes on the chat and this is what he says. He goes, He's a he's a top five goal scorer in the NHL. Or no, you said the best goal scorer in the NHL right now. I said He's not going to be the best goal scorer in the NHL until Ovi's gone. And is that is that fair? So, so Biz, this is, is that fair? Get... Yes or no? I don't. Hey, 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 yeah. hey! I just want yes or no. Is that fair to say? Yeah, sure. Okay, so that's that's where this went. Then it started going off a tangent. Then then I started calling up all the guys still in the show right now with more goals than Austin Matthews. I said you can't come out there and say he's the best goal scorer in the NHL today. Will he be one day? A hundred percent. And I agree. I didn't get into blocking shots and whatever Biz is talking about now. Like, I, yeah, is blocking shots huge? But this this all stemmed from goal score, the best goal score in the NHL. Yeah, today. I think he's the and second best goal scorer. Yeah. Ooh, so, so, so this ooh. Is, right now, this, this is right stat. now as it stands. Yeah. yeah. So like when Ovi 
Biz, what, 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 what is there? There's a guy named Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, he's a great goal scorer too. Yeah, no, that, I mean that 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 is that's fair. Um, Matthews did have a hand and wrist injury coming in the last year. The year before, he did win MVP sure. and led the league in in goals. But yeah, okay, all right. So let's put him definitely top five goal scorers in the league year over year. Okay, I, I, I'll even I'll even I'll, I'll submit to that hundred okay. percent. I will. But but the original thing was is he said he's the best goal scorer in the NHL today, and I said and so. That's I why Bosco said, was saying that you don't like him. So he's just so he is yeah. stirring. So it up. he starts picking. Now he starts stirring the pot, and it's not a big deal, right? But all right, Bosco, you need to clean it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, shit the stirber. Yeah. So <laughs> the reason why I went with that stat though is because when Ovi and so Ovi at age of twenty five. 328 days into his NHL career with Matthews with the same thing, eight, 300 and, you know, age 25, 328 in days. Ovi has two, 301 as for NHL goals. And Matthews has two, 299, 299 two off the pace yeah. of, of them. And he has 35. So it's a C here. We're talking about a C here, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I think he's trending in the direction. Maybe he, maybe there's an argument. He's not there net yet, but you know, the thing is here in Edmonton, it, it's the, the throne. The throne will be handed over shortly. Exactly. That's the whole <laughs> point. So. Yo, does Ovi, does Ovi break Wayne's record? If there's no lockout and no COVID for, for you're saying for Wayne or you're yeah, saying the, for, for, does for, for, Ovi, for, yeah, does Ovi, break Ovi, that Ovi will still think, break it. Uh, yeah, he will. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I'm just saying like, I'm positive he could have broke that record, say three years ago. If there's no COVID, well, I mean, no Wayne lockouts. also probably went through some lockouts too, right? So, yeah, I think he went through one. Is it one, Bosco? Yeah, I think he went through one. So when he won the, the '99ers, remember those guys went over uh, they went to Europe and toured around for a little bit. Yeah. So, Philip, yeah. do you ask questions on here? <laughs> well, I'm waiting my turn. I'm being patient, Biz. Like I'm. You just, are I'm patient. Just kind of Holy waiting. shit. I always always tell these guys, I'm like, I'm like, these guys aren't here to listen to you. They're here to listen to the guests. So shut up. I usually can't shut up. That's the problem. (laughs) We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it here, biz. Cause I got a bone to pick with you too, but Oh God, here we go. What did I do now? Go ahead, Bill. (laughs) So uh, I'm a flames fan. Yep. I live in Edmonton and that's hard enough. And you know, like last year was a tough year. And yeah. then I got to listen to your podcast and I got to hear you say you're jumping off the bandwagon. Yeah. I didn't like the way that things were headed with the, how they were being coached. And I didn't like the energy in the locker room. And then I was hearing other stuff too. And I'm like, ah, I'm jumping off this ship. Well, well I, was, I, I, have, just, I have, I have four teams. I don't need to be loyal to, to any of them. Well, I was Other than the their year last year. Hey, you, you were Could, like, come on, not a chance, but you know, like, like, you know, having biz on your side, like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we can, we can get on there and kind of give Whitney a hard time. Cause he's like, so in love with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I was the year before Edmonton. I was the year before there are, there are some positive things though. I think that Calgary ends up getting a wild card this year. Uh, going back to last year, uh, most one goal losses since like 2010, 2011, Florida Panthers, they had 31 goal losses last year, 17 yeah. of which in overtime and shootout. Um, I would imagine that their goaltending is going to start trending in a better direction. And if it's not coming from a Vladar or Markey, they got that Wolf kid. Um, I guess the question mark too up front is like, is uh, Lindholm coming back? Can they re-sign him? I don't, what's he going to demand as far as a contract? But they also have a lot of pending UFAs. Like they got like their whole core group. They got yeah. what Killington or Shillington. Is that how you say it? Shillington. Yeah. They got, got, got Zadorov, Tanov, Hannafin. Like they, I mean, most of them. Tons of question dead. marks, eh? Tons of question marks there. So I don't know. And they, they got Huska in there. I don't know a ton about Huska. I think that Savard, who was an, you know, he was obviously an offensive presence when he played and a very intelligent hockey mind. I would imagine that him running the power play and his connection with Huberto would help Huberto get back to where his production was closer to the the season before last, where he was what over a hundred points. Yeah. If they can get, if they can just start getting more consistent offense and they can keep where they are defensively with better goaltending, I think they're right back on track. So I have a lot, I have a lot of optimism for the Calgary flames for this season. I just think that, that the Daryl situation really overshadowed things and him, him kind of pushing harder 
didn't help the situation. In fact, made it worse last year where, Hey, if that's his style of coaching and that's all he knows, that's fine. But if you're a one trick pony and you can't adapt to your new personnel, especially because keep in mind, they lost their two big guns in Goudreau and, and Kachuk who'd been there for so long. And then they bring in three new, three new faces. They brought in, um, Kadri, they brought in Uyghur and then, uh, and then Huberto. So sometimes that first year, there's a, there's a, and then even the way that it kicked off, like Huberto was dealing with, I heard a high ankle sprain or a leg injury coming into the season. So right off the hop, he's struggling a little bit. He goes down the tunnel to get treatment. And then Daryl's <laughs> asked in the media, like, well, where, where did Huber go? Huber to go. Oh, he went to take a shit. It's like, this is your new guy. You're, you're, you gotta maybe stick up for him. Try to ease him into it, make him feel a little bit comfortable where that just wasn't the case. And he completely shut down. And by the end of, by the halfway mark of the season, he, he got a hundred point guy playing 15 minutes a night. So just nothing was, was working last year, including coaching, including what they were getting from the players. The player's confidence was shot as a result of that. Marky wasn't himself. Vladar was doing okay for a little bit there, but it wasn't sustainable. Then he started playing poorly. So it was just a shit show and the room was divided because they'd seen the success from the year prior to where, the way that Daryl operated to where I think, the, I think the writing's on the wall to, we know why Johnny ham and cheese and Kachuk left. Like we had Kachuk on our podcast and he, he pretty much said it without saying it. He was just fed yeah. up with his antics. So we, we are where we are. And uh, hopefully the new coaching staff brings a, a more positive attitude and a playoff picture. So I think that was, yeah. was that a good was that a br- good breakdown for your fucking Calgary Flames? <laughs> My fucking wrists are sore, sore from fucking stroking them off. You happy now? I am happy. Yeah, you got downhill skiing with tunnel. Calgary Flames. Or, yeah, yeah, a little fucking. Oh, oh. <laughs> Put the yeah, mascara you know, on. The, yeah, exactly. So you know that that's all I'll say about the Flames, and you know the the the, the seat on the bandwagon is always there for you, bud. So how about you worry about the city paying for the fucking cement and the sidewalks for the new rink, as opposed hey. to jumping down my throat? You should be get, hitting up the the the, the local city uh, council, not not coming at me for jumping off the bandwagon. The minute I heard they wouldn't pay for the new arena, I said, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." <laughs> It, now, now that I got you all fired up, I'll, I'll give yeah. you a little. Uh, I'm I'll, like I'll Rupper give... getting all fired up defensively. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of years ago, I, I, uh, you know, I paid, I paid some cash to you to to do a cameo for my brother Tim. And I asked, I asked you to get him to quit smoking. I don't know if you remember. You probably done a million cameos, was, but yeah, I, I don't remember that. But I was probably hacking a joint while I was doing it. So yeah, you well, you did... said that. So <laughs> he, I just want to. I just wanted to report that Tim has quit smoking. Nice round yeah. of applause, boys. Come That's, on here, everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. good for Tim. Yeah. yeah, you threatened. You threatened Finnegan to rip his nuts off. So he. Oh, okay, the dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's awesome. Tell him congratulations. There you go. There you, I'm sure he's list. He'll be listening to this. So. Okay, great. A little shout out. Um. So I'm actually gonna do the uh, the too much text inbox brought to you by CDN. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all team wear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code Two months at checkout for fifteen percent off your order. Now back to the show. It's 
is just kind of quick uh, questions from some okay, fans. Okay, let's go. All right. All right. So these are like like 30 seconds to a minute answer. Oh, you yeah, don't have good to go luck. too deep. So. Good luck. All right. Marissa wants to know, what are your thoughts on the PWHL? They had their draft yesterday. What are your thoughts on women's hockey? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget the name, but an, an iconic woman in sports kicked things off for them. Was it Billie Jean? Billie Jean King? King? Yeah. I I I think that they're doing an exceptional job. It's heading in the right direction, and they finally have like a a, a predominant league for league for these women to go shine. So it's awesome to see. You have Sarah Nurse playing for her hometown. Like, there's just a lot of good storylines going in, and like women's hockey, the 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 like how competitive and how good it's got over the last 10 years it's accelerating at a rapid pace so i'm happy that they have a place for these girls to shine and also be paid a fair salary i was always uh, i was always on board with even the nhl and i understand maybe early on much like the wnba it's not a profitable league but with giving them some assistance early on it could get to a place where it is to where these women can be paid fairly and from my understanding it's at that place now. And I think that it's going to continue to shine. So uh, great for them. And, and uh, congratulations for having that, that draft and that big iconic moment for the women moving forward. So, so kudos to them. Dick's question. Great answer. Cam wants to know, uh, is there a favorite interview you've done on spit and chiclets? Oh God. Um, I think the one I laughed the most at, and it was live, it was done with Tim Stapleton. And I think it was the first time we'd really had somebody on from the KHL and he's such a good storyteller. And he was telling us these insane KHL stories. So I would say from an early stage, he was, uh, he was an iconic pod because it also brought us to bring on more guys who'd played in the KHL. Like we just had John Morassi on and he was up there, but it's hard to pinpoint one. I will say that there's one that we did with a, a former teammate of mine that we, we, somehow one of the guys who was responsible for like editing it, they, we lost it, but it was done with Ray Whitney and he, I play with him and he, he's seen so many phases of hockey where he was lived, grew up in Edmonton. He was uh Wayne Gretzky stick boy and he played and seen all these different eras of hockey. And unfortunately it'll never be aired and we lost it. But, uh, that was one of the f- best hours and a half I've ever, I'd ever spent on the pod, but unfortunately nobody ever, it won't see the light of day. So that's a, sh- I, I mean, I get my 30 seconds is up. I think no <laughs> plenty of other guys too. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, obviously yeah. huge name. We'd, we'd hope to get Brett Hall on. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. We had Bob Stoffer on the other day. We, he's been on with us several times and he, we were told him we we're going to have you on and, he goes, Wayne loves biz, like just loves. He's a beauty. I love him. He's so funny. Yeah, he's a beauty. He's, he, his memory and his storytelling ability about all this stuff that has happened in the past, he's like a hockey encyclopedia. Yeah. He just loves the game so much. So even before his time, like he would ask the legends like, you know, Gordie Howe and Guy Lafleur, And so he just has so much depth and knowledge about everything that happened even before his time. And, and like I said, he's just, you sit down and you have a couple pops with him. He just rattles off these stories left and right. Like he, and he doesn't skip a beat. So every, every time I get to spend with him, I, I cherish it. Phil, you got some more there or one nice. more? Nice. Yeah, I got, uh, Jason's got a three-parter here really quick. I'll just read through it and then just, just give me your thoughts. So he says, uh, who do you think is the toughest guy in the NHL right now? Who's the toughest guy you ever fought? And are you disappointed to see fightings become almost non-existent in the NHL? Um, I think I'm okay with the place that it's in. Like, I don't, I, I don't think guys should be lining up off face-offs just to do it, to do it. I mean, if it went back to that, I'm not, I don't care. Cause it's, you know, it's entertainment, but for the, you know, for the neurological and, and for the health aspect of it, I'm okay with the, like I said, the place that it's in now, I would probably put, um, I'll probably have to put Revo at the top, but there are, you know, there's about five guys there that are, are circling around that, that heavyweight, that heavyweight spot. So I'd, I'd say it would be easy to put uh, Revo. And then who, who else did you say? Toughest guy I ever fought? Yeah. I mean, probably for me, Jeremy Leblonsky Lebl- Lebl- in the American hockey league, I had to fight him twice in one game. Cause 
we didn't really have a true heavyweight. And I was just kind of starting in that role when I got called up and the writing was on the wall when they changed me from defense to forward. And he, he bambied me both times. Like he knocked me out both times. So I just, he was, I think he was on the juice at that time. I don't think they were testing in the American hockey league. And we, we just introduced those new dry fit skinnier jerseys and he would come out, you know, he'd come out for warm up, and his, his face would be, redder than a tomato and the jersey would be like this around his neck because he was so fucking jacked up and he'd be skating around like drooling and i'd be like oh my god like this is the guy that i gotta fight tonight and sure as shit it was in binghamton and uh and he fucked me up so that was the toughest guy i ever fought it was in the american league not the nhl but that was where a lot of the, the tougher customers were were in the american hockey league it's funny because when i told i told johnny boychuk i'm gonna have you on so I was like, you have a question? And he just replied back with the YouTube video of you fighting him in Arizona. Yeah, when he so, was at the Bruins. Yeah, that was, yeah. His first, that was his first NHL fight. He said, you Oh, was to, it really? Yeah, he's like, ask Biz why he tried to claw my eyes out. So, yeah, oh, did I? Yeah, any day, anything to <laughs> win, did, man. Yeah, you did him You did him good. His, his brother's message back to me, he goes, yeah, you just got a speed bag. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was usually the speed bag, but uh, I hope I answered those correctly. Is that it? That, yeah, all three of them? Perfect. Okay. There, there's okay. just one. There's just one more, and this will just be, okay. this will take quick. Derek wants to know how tired are your shoulders from carrying wit during the sandbaggers? How tired I am. Fucking wit's <laughs> been carrying me the last couple. He's the best drunk golfer on the planet. But uh, yeah, I don't know what to expect from from sandbagger to sandbagger with the swing that I have. But those videos have turned out to be fun and just another way to get guys' personalities out of them and uh, and show the fans like that. Getslav. Bexa one, I don't know what it's at now, but we just dropped it less than a week ago, or I guess a week now. What is it, Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six days ago, and it's already at. We had three hundred fifty-two thousand views on it, and we introduced RA to this latest one where he was a drunken maggot, just getting buckled on the course. And it's yeah, everybody in the comment section is just talking about RA and how big of a how big of a drunk he was in that one. I think it threw them off and he helped to take us home. That's awesome. Hey, Jess, remember when uh, I was, you made me laugh thinking about were we, was it the night we did the sports net thing that we were all sitting there? It was because you mentioned BX. So we were eating dinner at uh, Soto Soto and Drake walked in. Oh yeah. That was wild. That was wild. <laughs> and that. Then that just it, was, uh, it was BX. Getslav was there. We had Colby Armstrong. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Drake walks in. And there was a guy in the back corner. He's a, he's a famous guy from Toronto. I think he's a gangster. I think his last, I think his name's Billy. He's known as Billy and Drake comes in and he's waving to the back corner and we're right beside there. And Colby Armstrong kind of props up and he, he's like, and he starts waving back to him, like, like, like a little schoolgirl, like, ah, Hey, and then like, you could see the look on Drake's face, like, nah, dude, not you. And we felt like the biggest bunch of losers, the rest of the meal. Oh. Even I kind of perked up and I'm like, hey, yeah. I think he's, I think, he's waving at us. Like, I think Drake knows us. And then we realized it was the guy behind us. It was a guy behind <laughs> Everybody us. Everybody just buried their heads in the sand. Yeah. That's who he was waving to. But yeah, I know that was a, that was an f- awesome deadline, man. That was so fun. And even the next night we got to have a couple pops afterwards. So yeah. some good times. Yes. He was at that too. That's why we're thinking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we probably lined it up. Yeah. Phil, you have anything else? Yeah, so so I've been doing this with all of our guests lately. You know, I'm I'm not really into food at all. I don't eat too much, but uh, you know, uh, we we we've been asking our uh, our guests lately. Get uh, foods in this. And one. this segment is brought to you by Central. Yeah, we'll get foods in this too. So this this is brought to you by uh, Central Social Hall. There's three locations in Edmonton. You can check out. Uh, like we did this with uh, like Bosco did this with noodles a couple, a uh, couple weeks ago. And they talked about like chicken fingers for like 20 minutes and the best chicken fingers in Edmonton. So uh, my question, I'll ask foods and, and, and biz like on the road, where, where's your like go to, to go and uh, get, get some grub. Oh man. Oh, that's me. I asked this like, like a, like a place that you like look for, like, okay, when I'm going there, that's where I'm going to eat. You know, it's a good staple in Canada. Futes is a uh, cactus club. You can't go, you can't go wrong with cactus club Yeah, all day. They got great drinks, great food menu. The food's clean. Great. Waitresses. I I was talking about the food feuds. You can take, you can take over from there. uh, You know what? 
Well, after hearing your horn story, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. But I'm just, uh, no, there's just some places that are, for me, it was unbelievable because Dean Lombardi wasn't big. He liked to go to like, I introduced him. He liked where he had a professional waiter, like a place like Zorro's or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, but it, but for me, uh, it was amazing because Blakey, those guys, if I found the guys that were players, uh, and I mean like any, they, they, the hall, they, they had certain places that they just knew about. It just blew me away. There was a place, for example, it's in Montreal, and it's a it's an old woman's prison that's been turned into a iconic Italian restaurant, and they just bring out a like I remember the lady coming out of the kitchen. I remember this place, and I, I wish I knew the name of it, but it's it's literally in an, an old prison, and they bring out a hand menu like a billboard of today's dishes, and of course, me not knowing the history, I. Everybody, 80% of the hockey players at a table usually want chicken parm. And chicken parm isn't an Italian dish. And I ordered chicken parm, and the lady came out of the kitchen and just fucking lost it on me about ordering chicken parm in an Italian restaurant. But you know, bud, there's steakhouses coming out the wazoo. There's some steakhouses like Mastro's and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, you know, the, I, was it you? I asked about what's where you eat in Chicago or something like that the other day. Yeah. Gibson's was a staple there in that uh, Viagra triangle there. Uh, I, I forget what the area is called. It's by the Sutton place. But uh, um, the one thing like this will get you, but I mean that, that league and that was one of the biggest adjustments for me. Cause these guys, they're players, right? Like, thank God Dean gave us time to work out because it's like the never hungry league, right? These guys oh, get fed. They eat like gods. Fed after the game, before the game, the pregame meals like going to a royal wedding. The stuff that they would cart out for and the m- amount of food that's left over. And oh, then it's after nuts. the game, they get it in the room. Then you get on the charter and another menu comes out. Yeah. And if you're not working out, Phil, you, have, you know what? I know you said you don't like food. You could eat your eat yourself out of the league. <laughs> It, Especially it, for it, a healthy so scratch like me. You don't have time to work out. It's crazy. All right. Uh, I know we got to get you out of here, guys. Uh, just one last thing. Uh, we are based in Edmonton, Biz, so just maybe you get a quick rip on the Oilers here because all the Oilers fans that we have here will probably be mad that we didn't ask you about the Oilers. I think they look really good. I think that they're probably looking at uh, a top two finish in uh, in the Western Conference this year. Yeah, I think that that third. I think that the biggest concern for me, if I was an Oilers fan, is how are you going to get contributions offensively and relieve a little pressure off the top six, and where so much so where you don't have to play the ace of spades every game, like Connor and, and Leon playing 25, 26 minutes during the regular season just to solidify your playoff positioning. I don't think that's a healthy place to be because you get burnt out come playoff time and. I don't think that's, I don't think that helps sustainable success, especially when you get in the second, third round when you're playing against better teams where they know how to lock these guys down. So you're going to need a bigger, a bigger team push. Um, I think the back end's great. I think that Darnell Nurse will have a great bounce back year. I don't think he was necessarily terrible during the regular season, but he was also playing injured during the playoffs last year. So uh, they got boosted. Shard locked up at a great number. And and if he keeps doing what he does uh, offensively, I think that uh, the goaltending, I think Skinner is probably going to take the reins and solidify himself as the the starter and, and he'll have an even better year. So I think that that the next three, four years is going to be their window to bring home a Stanley cup. They have to right? And after what they learned last year and the message that Connor had after the season, I don't know if you guys have heard this, the rumblings, basically it was, everybody be here ready to go by September one in the best shape of your life. And if you're not, we're going to have problems. Yeah. And that starts at the top with, with Connor and Leon and they set the precedent. You see how they looked at the biosteel camps. They are, they are coming in with vengeance. And I think you look at last year for that series against Vegas Golden Knights, like that was the Stanley cup finals. Like that. I think whoever wins that series goes on to win the Stanley cup. So if they stay healthy, I think they have the tools in place. Um, yeah, the only the only concern I have is the amount of ice time those guys are playing to carry that bottom six. And if they can contribute and figure it out, I think they 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 can hoist themselves a Stanley Cup. Right on. That's good. That's uh, kind of a good way to finish up. Uh, I know when before we hit record, we talked about uh, you know a uh, charity that you kind of work with and you've helped out before at the NHL awards and donating money to the Ben Stelter Fund. I know Futes is very connected to the Amazing Grace uh, Foundation too, and 
out there. Um, so we're going to donate, uh, you know, 50% to one charity, 50% to the other charity in your name biz for joining. our. Thank you. Audience. That's such a classy move by you guys. And, uh, I've, I've been talking with Mike. Well, I, I, Josh. Yeah. That's such a, an, an awesome move. And, uh, Mike's struggling a little bit right now too, with his own personal health. And I, you know, I, I'd love to send a message to him and just wish him well. And such an unbelievable guy carrying on his son's legacy. So, I hope he gets back to to full health and uh, he's doing an amazing thing and I hope the Oilers can take it home for him to bring his spirits up. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Biz, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, Everyone, enjoy. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay humble. um, And we love you guys. Ciao.